Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But under the right circumstances, a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit. Hmm. Yes, it's quite possible. Welcome to the NFC Least Show. The show about everything that's bad and ugly in the NFC East. The show with five five-star reviews on apple Podcasts. please rate and review uh sean williams how you doing man i'm doing okay it's the snow is on the ground it's getting sloppier and uglier as december goes along much like our beloved nfc east man (laughs) that is so true let's just jump right in we're gonna do things a little bit differently this week uh dear listeners uh we want to try and We're getting towards the end of the year. We're also, in general, this year is kind of an experimental run for this pod. So uh, I guess in in the effort to keep things concise, we're going to try and handle reviews and previews kind of in the same segment and go team by team. So let's just jump right in. Uh, Eagles and Cowboys, let's just talk about them both since they play each other this week. The Eagles had the Cardinals uh, this past week, and uh, the Cowboys had the 49ers. So uh, let's jump in, I guess, Eagles-Cardinals first. Um, Another excellent game from Jalen Hurts. The Eagles lose uh, 33-26 to the uh, future Super Bowl champion Arizona Cardinals. But uh, (laughs) even a a seven-point loss with the Eagles putting up 26 points, Still feels like a win, given how this season has gone offensively for the Eagles. Uh, Sean, what did you take away from this game? I hate that Jalen Hurts looks this good. Just <laughs> so much control, a lot of poise, hit the majority of his throws, still looked mobile. Last week, I know we discussed how the Saints game plan felt weird and that they didn't try to contain Hurts uh, on the ground at all. And this week, Arizona did a much better job of making him make throws. And he responded about as well as he could, really. By making the throws. Kind of, yeah. (laughs) All all over the field. There was pressure in his face all game. Didn't phase him. Stepped into throws. uh, Couldn't, I would, I mean, you got to give him like at least an A minus performance, which coming from your backup quarterback, like take that every single time. For sure. Uh, I still, so I'm still not sold on Jalen Hurts, but uh, I mean, it's clear that he's the starting quarterback from now until the future. When I say I'm not sold on Hurts, I'm just not sold on him yet as like the franchise guy. The sample size is still pretty small, and I still think he's not, I guess, challenging certain parts of the field uh, at all that I would like to see challenged especially with uh both Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard back if if you notice still for the second week in a row we're not trying anything down the seams uh a lot of the offense is still Jalen Hurts's legs a lot more screens this game which I I was delighted to see because even when we tried to throw screens with Carson Wentz it you know the ball wound up either two yards in front of or behind the receiver with little room to run or catch um, so I, I'm still not seeing like the, the full playbook opened with Hertz, but you know, 
at this point in the season when maybe the best you're looking for is just like let's just level set things here and just see which guys around us on the offense has juice and which ones don't so we can get a better sense of what this roster looks like going into next year we have this wonderful surprise which is like Hertz is playing his way into at least earning potentially the chance to establish himself as a franchise quarterback throughout the season next season. Yeah, I think obviously this raises the dreaded offseason debate potential. I mean, it's not potential at this point. It's a guarantee. Oh, yeah. Hurts uh, <laughs> versus Wentz. That's going to. I think yeah. everyone, I think like every Eagles fan is like starting to collect receipts now and like like self-sorting <laughs> into different sides, just like waiting to lob bombs at each other on Twitter and Reddit for like the next like, 10 months. <laughs> yeah, the storm clouds are gathering. It's like yeah. the, the night before the final battle in any war yeah. movie. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> Angelo was putting his helmet on and like <laughs> grabbing <laughs> strapping oh, the sword man. in um. <laughs> but yeah i mean you know i'm not looking forward to that at all uh i think i think in general like i I might have even pissed off some eagles fans saying i'm not ready to crown him as franchise qb like i'm sure there are people that just having been tortured with 10 weeks of poor play from Wentz, want to immediately crown this guy and to your point want to be happy all the time and feel like the Eagles have solved their quarterback problem just by swapping one guy for another. Um, I'm trying to be a little bit realistic where there's a very real possibility here where, yes, it makes sense to move on from Wentz. Yes, it makes sense to give Hertz the keys next season, but that Hertz is still ultimately a transition quarterback to our next top 10, you know, pick in the next like two to three years. We actually try to, reload around but i mean i'm sure we can have an entire like qb talk thing during our season review pod but i i have a take i want to drop right now right this second hit me i want to cross the philadelphia eagles off wow i I know i did not tell you i was going to do this (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm scrambling right now <laughs> it's been on my mind all day and I, I i have i feel like i have to do it man i i'm confused by this all right here's let me walk you through i'm looking at these standings man i'm looking at the eagles in fourth place right now with two weeks left to go i understand they have two divisional games. I don't think I can in good conscience stand in front of the Cowboys listeners to this pod, having already crossed their team off (laughs) when they have a half game above us (laughs) and not cross the Eagles off. (laughs) But two weeks left in the year. I understand there's like a, but like the Cowboys also technically have that thread of hope. Now they only have a half game above us. If I've already crossed them off, like I have to cross them off with two weeks left in the season. And if I'm wrong, then I need to live and die by that take when we do our playoff preview pod, when the Eagles play like the Bucks, you know? (laughs) It especially makes sense when you consider that every week we spend 10 minutes rationalizing why we cross the Cowboys off and (laughs) whatever. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm, I no. have. I, ha- I was sitting. I was sitting around today, and I, I knew that we weren't going to naturally have this conversation because of how good the Eagles' offense looked this week, right? Like, and and the games they have lined up. Like, the narrative now is like, oh, like they're still in it. But two weeks left, like they're still in it, is not not good enough for me. When there's a team that's a game and a half ahead of us, there's a team. <laughs> There's two teams, a half game ahead of us. Uh, I understand we can get that back, but it's just like there's too many dominoes that need to fall there. And like if I'm if I'm a betting person, I'm gonna go ahead and say that like at least one of those things don't go the Eagles' way. And I can't sit here and believe that and not cross them off. Okay, so you, how do we? This is the first time we disagree on crossoff protocol because I look at the Eagles' schedule and I see two divisional games left. All they need is Washington to lose this week. Eagles win next week, and I think See, they're okay, in. Okay, so here's right? here's the here's the issue. I understand that math, man. But here's the thing: is like all they need is Washington to lose, and then they need to beat Washington, which <laughs> yeah, and they need to be and they need to beat Dallas this week, and they well. need to beat Dallas, Dallas too. Okay. It's like for like, I, I guess I think either one of those two things will probably not happen. And then even if what both of those things happen, I also don't necessarily think Washington loses to Carolina this week either, you know? Um, so like, I, I, I'm looking at it. I, I would be, it would be blind fan faith and not actual logic and thus irresponsible for me not to cross them off. Big Ben Shapiro hours on the pod. <laughs> I am destroying the Eagles with facts and logic. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I it, everything you're saying makes sense. Uh, I'm I'm thinking it through. If I have it right, the Eagles and the Cowboys basically need to do the same thing to win it. They both yep. need to win their remaining games, and they need Washington to lose theirs. Yeah. Um, the Eagles just have a little more. Um agency over their fate because they actually play Washington uh, and they play Dallas too. So after this week, one of Dallas and Philly will be like officially eliminated. Yeah. But with that said, I think (laughs) there's no, there's no really good reason for it. I just feel like at this point, if you don't do it, you're also hedging against your Washington wins the division take. I mean, I still think Washington wins the division. I think. Then you I have to cross the Eagles off. <laughs> I well, the, I then I would have crossed off everyone six <laughs> weeks. Washington ago. six weeks ago. <laughs> You're trying to buy your logic, me now. Um, I okay, okay. You're right. I'm not going to like bully you if you didn't. If you didn't. If you didn't come in prepared to have the strength to do this this week. Well, I'm not going to force you well, to to broker this on live on the pod. I'm. I can just see the. Eagles. I, I want our audience to know that the Eagles fan was brave enough to do this today. <laughs> it's it's a. Well, you have to be brave because you've been conditioned by WIP to just uh, argue all the time. So yeah. it's. This checks out with that. And in any case, uh, 
it's just a vibes thing, man. I see the Eagles winning this division and Eagles fans being smug about it. And I just don't, it like in the, in like the, the alternate universe path, I just don't see Dallas winning it. It doesn't, there's no logic behind it. It's probably just my own bias. No, you're, you're, I think, I think you and a lot of Eagles fans are being biased by how December has typically gone for the Eagles in, yeah, under Doug Peterson. Sure. Uh, and I think, there's a feeling that that's happening again. The offense has bounced back. We're in games all of a sudden when really we have no right to be based on the sample size of the first 10 games of the year. Uh, it's, it, I, I just think for the first time in this era, even if we play better against Washington and Dallas, I, I just don't see them having the firepower to actually beat teams that I think are playing also on at least in a similar level as the Eagles right now. Okay. I get it. I think we're going to get to the preview. I'm guessing. Is there anything yeah. else you want to talk about with? No, let's, let's talk, Cardinals? let's talk about the 49ers and Cowboys now too. Uh, they Dallas shows up again, the offense uh, hanging 41 points. Well, I guess uh, seven of those were the uh, onside kick return from CD lamb, but still, uh, showing some life, uh, beating the 49ers 41 to 33. Uh, I know, uh, you know, I didn't, I wasn't watching this game, but I've, I watched the highlights was keeping track of it. It seemed like, uh, I I was wrong about the 49ers again, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I will say like, they make me look right. Like their offense isn't (laughs) bad. But they just can't put a full game together against the NFC East for whatever reason. And Dallas, to their credit, looking good. Uh, one one thing we have to talk about is Tony Pollard stepping in for the injured Ezekiel Elliott and, what, having, like, 120 all-purpose yards, uh, two touchdowns on the day? Like, he was their offense. Like, this is beyond yeah. a meme now, you know? <laughs> you and I have always considered Tony Pollard the the shadow third member of this podcast (laughs) Uh, and it holds up the dude they play so much better with him in a way it's like and we're going to get to the browns eventually but when odell went down suddenly baker felt so much more free like he was reading the field like a like a real quarterback again and i think in a way you when you don't have an obligation to feed a star or build your team around a star and you can just play more free flowing football with, you know, less prestigious guys who still get the job done, you end up in, in really good shape. And the Cowboys did a great job of feeding Tony at the right moments. Pollard broke off a big run, uh, kind of in the, in the later part of the game, I believe. Um, and really the story for me was just they didn't they didn't turn the ball over and they forced a ton of turnovers. The 49ers, you're right, their offense has its moments, but they also make a ton of mistakes and Dallas did a great job of capitalizing on those. Yeah. I, I still think as I've said for the past however many weeks we've talked about this, the the Dallas Achilles heel continues to be their defense. Where Yes, they were able to generate turnovers, which put the ball back in the offense's hands and allowed the offense to rack up points. But when you generate, what was it, two interceptions? Was it how many? Were there, there was like one or two forced fumbles, right? 
too. Yeah, two forced fumbles and two interceptions, I believe. Yeah, but when you generate four four turnovers, how is it how is it even possible for the opposing offense to also rack up more than twenty points? You know, uh, that's kind of that's kind of my concern. Is like, how do you force four turnovers and you're up by like? They were up by eight because San San Fran did put in a late a late like a last mm-hmm. second hail mary type deal. Yeah, but how do you force four turnovers and the other team is still close enough to like play an onside kick at the end and and make it a single digit loss? I guess that's yeah. a little that could be disingenuous, but it didn't feel like a complete game from Dallas. Still somehow. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I still think this is a, a clearly Dalton. Uh, has exceeded my expectations as backup quarterback uh, this year. Like he not just function, he functions at least serviceably, if not like on an above average level in each of his games since coming back um, from the concussion he had. And I think that combined with their skill position players just means that their offense has turned into this fairly potent unit, even against, above average defenses which makes them feisty and i think has gotten them back into contention a bit but if i'm again further justifying the cross off uh you can't ride into a game really feeling 100 confident that the cowboys are going to win just based on their defense's prodigious ability to just give up points and give up scoring drives and give up big plays um to anyone really yeah yeah they're still they're still shaky i mean they're they've definitely gotten better and it feels like they're playing more as a team like they trust each other more mm-hmm. which i think could be due to the Danucci effect i think Danucci is like a good like threat you know from from mike mccarthy like don't make me don't make me don't play Danucci. Yeah, I, I will make you play with Danucci for 60 minutes <laughs> if you aren't grateful for what you have. And so suddenly Dalton comes back and these guys are on their horse. Like, I, I think it was a brilliant psychological. I know we've talked about Mike McCarthy kind of looking shaky this year, but now I think Mike McCarthy is like Sun Tzu. It was coach, coach, of, the year. coach of the year, Mike McCarthy. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I I'll get on that train with you. I'll <laughs> that's a good train to be on. Uh, <laughs> all right. I, I think I think we've I think we've analyzed this Cowboys team enough. They're the same team, really, that has showed up for the past like five weeks. I think. Uh, it, will it be enough? Uh, can they ride it uh, to a seven and nine record and a first round exit? We'll find out. But we'd be horribly wrong if that's the case. Uh, they play the Eagles this week. We can preview that uh really quickly um i think the eagles offense shows up again there's no there's nothing here that would suggest that the cowboys defense would be the one to figure out jalen hurts <laughs> this week yeah uh but i also think that uh the cowboys offense will show up against the eagles defense um i don't like uh, the Eagles defense's ability, like legitimately, not joking, I don't like the Eagles defense's ability to contain Tony Pollard. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't, we don't have good linebackers. You don't float, like he is the kind of running back that would have a good game 
like maybe yeah. not necessarily only on the ground, but also in the air. Um, especially when the secondary also has to account for Schultz, Gallup, Lamb, and uh, and Cooper. And with Dalton back there as opposed to Danucci, like I, I think this is going to be a night and day performance matchup wise for this Cowboys offense against this Eagles defense. So I think it's going to be a bit of a, I think it's going to basically be a repeat of this Cardinals game. Um, and I am going to give the edge to Dallas. <laughs> that that make you have to if you cross off with the Eagles, you have yeah. to give Dallas this game. I hate I hate that I'm doing this. I it's Cowboys week. I'm I'm pumped. It is it is. I'm going to wake up on Sunday convinced that the Eagles are going to blow them out and <laughs> ride this train to the Super Bowl. That's that's the only way I watch football. But sitting with, here with you on this pod where I feel like I need to have journalistic integrity, <laughs> I can't. I have sure. I, I have to <laughs> I have to cross them off and I have to pick the Dallas Cowboys 34 to 27. Okay. It's it's Cowboys week. We're sitting here with our Tony Pollard jerseys. Uh, <laughs> um, I I think this is a game that I I've I've been confident in my last couple of predictions, um, and I think I got the Cowboys last week. If I'm not mistaken, I think I had them over the Niners. Uh, but I I like what I'm seeing from the Eagles offense too much right now. My Lada looks good on the O-line. Miles Sanders is healthy and he's clicking and he's effective. Um, Alshon Jeffrey's getting involved again, which I think well, I is... I can't believe we haven't talked about that. What a, what a spiteful, spiteful man Alshon Jeffrey is. <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude is completely... Drops, drops a hit piece on Carson Wentz a year and a half ago is completely vacant from the offense until Jalen Hurts takes Carson Wentz's job and then shows up with like five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown over the past two weeks. It's insane. You have to think this justifies Alshon. Alshon was right. He was right. Alshon was right when he has the agency to be bad. He can just be bad to justify himself. He doesn't have to. I I think he was tanking his own performance to justify his own take. All I'm saying is when Alshon played with Nick Foles, he looked good, like really, really good um, in the Super Bowl run. And then Wentz comes back and Alshon is suddenly, you know, uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside-esque. And then Hurts comes in. because i know what's i know the giants are coming up and i want to delay it for as long as possible (laughs) Um, then hertz comes in and he looks like alshon again i just think at this point alshon the Josina anderson story all of that uh i'm on board i'm fully on the alshon supporter train now are you gonna are you gonna just pick the eagles then yeah sorry (laughs) this this is a <laughs> just get it over with, just... man. I can't believe we're at this point in the pod where I'm picking the Cowboys over the Eagles and you're picking the Eagles over the Cowboys. <laughs> this is our this is our most contentious pod yet. Um I will punch you. I will drive to New York and punch you in the face. You're you're really, I'll record it for the pod. <laughs> you're closer you're closer now than you've been in a long time. So I can drive there. Yeah. <laughs> 
It won't be like a tw- a 48 hour bender for me to do it. I can get up there in like two hours, man. Don't tell <laughs> yeah. me. Not the kind of thing where like they make a movie about it. Like there's one guy <laughs> drove across the country to punch his friend. Hitting up motels all across Tennessee and Ohio just to arrive <laughs> at your front porch to punch you in the face for picking the Eagles over the Cowboys. <laughs> um, I It's going to be the Eagles and it's not, I don't think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be 34-17 Philadelphia Eagles. I don't want to show up next week if you're right. <laughs> I don't I don't want to I don't want any texts from people. I'm standing by this take. I'm going to sit here, but I really don't want to be harassed for being wrong, and I know it's going to happen. <laughs> All right. Uh speaking of being harassed for being wrong, uh the Browns <laughs> blow the doors off the Giants. <laughs> 20 to 6. Oh. Uh the Giants looked bad, and I hate that I also picked them to win the division at this point. I just i i want it. I want to hear what you what you saw. I I saw absolutely nothing. I think you can maybe say the defense still continuing to show up. I I just think it's more like the Browns left plays on the field than the defense particularly yeah. held them to twenty points. Um, and if I'm a Giants fan, I'm pretty concerned, even despite the record keeping the minute. Um, it just feels like with two games left and Colt McCoy unable to get at least one win for you, with the problems your your team has had on offense, I don't know how they're going to reintegrate Daniel Jones and find a spark to to get the two games you guys need to win the division at this point. It sounds like you're crossing them off. No. (laughs) (laughs) What? I can't cross them off. I'm bewildered. (laughs) I'm crossing them off. You're crossing them off? What? I'm crossing them off. What? This is an incredible podcast. You just listed like 10 reasons why they're bad and they won't get better. <laughs> there, how can we, you should send this, we should send this pod to psychologists because <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe that both of us are so pessimistic about the teams that we watch every week that we came in to this podcast with the same intentions of killing them as each other. <laughs> I th- I and the think- other one won't do the do the other one justice by also putting these teams out of their misery. This is incredible. <laughs> to me, this says there is a we're trying to kind of whammy our teams into winning, like by cross. I, I think we're at that point in the season. And honestly, <laughs> if you had asked me, we could have predicted this. Is both of us are trying to reverse jinx our teams into winning their final games. And making it into the playoffs. That's the real ambition here. This could be bulletin board material for anybody listening, but there you have to stand by it. Look at the Giants. Let's I mean, is there anything else we want to even talk about with the Browns game? It was a mess. The Browns, the, the Browns offense, I felt just like was nice. Like I don't feel like the Giants defense played well. They missed James Bradbury. Um and I just felt like the Browns, the Browns offense kind of realized that the Giants offense was never gonna do anything. And they were like, we don't need to 
we don't need to score more points. Like we can just kind of chill out. And so they did. And it was cool. I do Uh, like this Browns team. That was the one takeaway I had from this game is this is for me, this is the kind of W from like a, a good playoff team that you're exactly right. That like they just took care of business and didn't try to press the gas pedal too hard. On the other side, it's not a good story, especially for a team that legitimately has playoff chances. Yeah, yeah. The the Giants, you know, there's a lot of ways you could point fingers right now, and you don't want to overdo it. But um, I think it was encapsulated on the the very first drive of the game, the play call on fourth down on the goal line where we brought in our punter into this bizarre formation and had him throw like a jump ball, like center route to, to our center. Um, that obviously wasn't completed. You could run that play a hundred times and it would never work. And that's when I was like, mm, this is, this is feeling like clown territory. This is feeling like cross off territory. For me. <laughs> you just can't do you know, those things. You know what it was? It was, Joe Judge is sitting there in the film room looking at John Fossil down there in Dallas two or three weeks ago. Then he looks up at the wall and sees Jim Fossil in Giants. (laughs) (laughs) Giants regalia, you know, on the sidelines. He's like, I can't be upstaged by his son, you know? I got to take a trick out of the bag, get the special (laughs) teams unit moving, you know? Right. Maybe he was really high and he thought Nick Gates was Antonio Gates. (laughs) That's the kind of that's the kind of schematics I want for my head coach. (laughs) So you're crossing them off. This is for real. Yeah, it's for real that they have uh, the Ravens this week, which we can preview if we want. But I think it's going to get ugly fast. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah, let's just go right into it. I. Yeah, the Ravens are going to win this game. I don't. I don't think there's any, there's any, uh, you know, hesitation from that on my part. They're also rolling and trying to make a late push for the playoffs, and they're just better. I think in all phases of the game. I think my one, the one reason why I can't cross the Giants off is like it's literally just the last game of the year, where I think yeah. that they are going to be if if Dallas beats the Eagles this week which I've predicted them to do, right? And let's say Washington loses to Carolina. Yeah. Dallas, or The Giants are still winning in. And I think that there's a chance with that incentive there, if Daniel Jones is back, that they pull out one game where they just get, get the job done against like an equally, you know, we're saying Dallas is improving, but they still have flaws. You know, they're yeah. still a beatable team, you know? Um, and because I also picked the Giants to win the division, I can't hedge that take just yet. I can see that happening more than I can see the Eagles bouncing back. But it is it is dark days, and I don't think we're going to go back on the pod next week and feel any rosier about this Giants team. I think the, I think the Ravens win. Like, it's probably more like your... Eagles Cowboys score. I think it's more like 34 to 17. Potentially worse. I'll say 34 10. Wow. That hurts a little bit, but it's hard to argue. I think uh um you know, the Giants defense should match up pretty well. They're pretty good at stopping the run. 
The Ravens obviously are run first team all the way. But it's just a matter of field position and the Giants offense putting them in places to succeed. And I do not see that as a possibility. And so I think it's going to be kind of similar to the Cleveland game. I think the Giants will look a little better um, with their backs against the wall. I think it's going to be 24-13. All right. And the final thing, sorry, we have to discuss as like an adjacent topic here. Just to cap off, and I won't mention him again for the rest of the year, but Evan Ingram was voted to the Pro Bowl. He, like yesterday, was voted in as a Pro Bowler, wow. which is so ridiculous and absurd. It, it Honestly, we should abolish the Pro Bowl now. There's no point. It's, it's lost all meaning. Honestly, <laughs> get rid of the Pro Bowl. No, I, I completely agree. Uh, we already have the all pro list, which is arguably yeah. a more distinguished like marker on my player's resume of, of their value compared to the rest of the league. Why do we also have this other merit that forces them to play in an exhibition game that none of them take seriously anyway? You know? Yeah. The Pro Bowl is just a way for mediocre players to get to Hawaii and feel good about themselves. The all pro list is where the NFL like Hall of Famers are, where great, great players are. That's why you'll never see Evan Ingram on the All-Pro list. He, I will bet all my money that he doesn't make it this year, despite making the Pro Bowl. So what does that tell you? Um, I have when, Howden. I I saw this in the running order. You, you put Evan Ingram as a pro, pro Bowler. I thought I ignored it because I thought it was a typo, and I thought maybe it was just some weird heel like turn. You making, like you were proclaiming that, like you now have come to Jesus and realized that Evan Ingram is the Pro Bowl caliber player. I had no idea that he made up. Robert Tanyan is a. No, I, I know. <laughs> I know. How? It's, it's offensive. It's actually like infuriating, and we should abolish the Pro Bowl over it. I think the only thing this proves is no one watches the New York Giants. That is the only thing this proves. <laughs> Why would you? Did you? <laughs> they are so boring. <laughs> Their I, offense yeah. is so boring. Uh, I guarantee of, you. It's just like. like no one actually watches the Giants. People just know Evan Ingram from Madden and yeah, vote fantasy. in the Pro Bowl. That's the only yeah. thing that happens. When Giants quarterbacks pass to Evan Ingram this year, they have a 56.1 passer rating. He has generated like single-handedly five interceptions by popping the ball up in the air off his hands um, as if he's like like setting it like a volleyball. Like you couldn't make it easier for defenders to pick it up. Just a complete, the idea of Evan Ingram is so much better than the real Evan Ingram that apparently he's entranced everybody. Boggles my mind. I can't wait for the Giants to extend him for like four years, 60 million guaranteed or something. It's inevitable. But had to get it out there in the meantime. Sorry, Evan, it's not personal, but because of you, we should get rid of the Pro Bowl. I'm fully <laughs> on board with this take. Let's... Let's jump in with the, the NFC East darlings. They dropped the game this week, but I, I still think they look pretty good. The Washington football team falling to the Seattle Seahawks. What was the final score? 20 to 15. Um, it looked like the Seahawks had control of that game for most of the game, but late surge from Washington almost pulled it out with a, uh, a two-minute drive from Dwayne Haskins. Honestly, I think the storyline here is the Washington defense still continues to look like 
probably one of the best units in the NFL. They held every Seahawks like skill position player to less than a hundred yards, um, which I think is incredible given the talent that that side of the ball has for them. Um, but without Alex Smith, this offense can't remain on schedule and needed some fluke plays to go their way to even get on the board. Uh, how, I guess, how worried are you about the team that we both believe will probably win this division slipping just by virtue of how wild of a roller coaster the Dwayne Haskins experience is? Well, between you and me, we've crossed off every other team in the division. So they're the only people remaining. <laughs> right. Like mutually, obviously, both of us suspect that one other team has a shot, although we disagree about who that team is. Mm-hmm. Um, I still like this team. I mean, Seattle is good. They made Russell Wilson look pretty bad. They didn't really stop the run much, but they also it's so hard to be out on the field all the time and know that your offense is not going to do anything like that to me. I think they kind of knew this would be a loss deep down. Um, the Dwayne Haskins roller coaster is very real. It's especially real after the game when he's, you know, seen partying, um, maskless, uh, with, uh, a bunch of women. Um, just, just good vibes from him. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's incredible. Like I, I'm typically not like a, like a strip club shamer of athletes. Like I hate yeah. when TMZ will just be like James Harden spotted at Houston strip club as if it's like a, like a, like a, uh, like an immoral thing for an NBA player to do with his time. But specifically in COVID specifically after your first start in like 10 weeks and specifically with your team still fighting for a a playoff spot. It's, it's not like that it's necessarily a bad look that you were doing it as a person, but like your head coach may have to suspend you just because it was COVID and you're going to take yourself out of a game that Alex Smith may not be ready for next week. And Washington may be down to their third string quarterback just because Dwayne Haskins wanted to spend a night at the strip club. And that is so ridiculously irresponsible. I don't know what was going through his head. Part of it for me as well is like you lost and you threw two interceptions. Yeah. And and then you go out and you meet a bunch of women and you, I guess, hand them. I'm deducing this. I don't know this for a fact. You hand them Dwayne Haskins number seven jerseys to wear. <laughs> 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 like, but as good as gold, man. <laughs> but you lost. I just don't get. That, I get it. That to me, I like, get it. That that's incomprehensible. <laughs> I would never. The hubris you have to have, and I guess the confidence in yourself, honestly, to just be like, "Yeah, shake it incredible off, whatever." Stuff. Time to hand out these jerseys, <laughs> like incredible stuff. Really, I mean, it's oh, incredible. Like the game it. doesn't stop in the fourth quarter with Dwayne Haskins, right? Now it's like, <laughs> now we got to follow his movements. All around the greater uh, <laughs> Landover, Maryland area, <laughs> just to see whether he's going to do something that puts his ability to play next week in jeopardy. But yeah, I mean, I I still really like this defense. I still think that they win at least the one game at some point in the next two that gets them to the playoffs. But I, for them to potentially even make noise 
in the playoffs. They need Alex Smith back. Like there is no way that Haskins can, can step in and find any sort of steam over the next two weeks, just based on what his output was this week. And just based on his mentality, apparently, you know? Yeah, they really don't. The run game is not bad, but they don't have the kind of run game. That's like, okay, we can just hand it off 35 times and expect to win kind of no matter who our quarterback is. So they need, they need Alex Smith back in a bad way. We'll see if it happens. Um, but I still, I, th- I think the the bones of this team are still very good, and I think Ron Rivera is still doing a good job. And Rivera yeah. earlier this year, he was like Haskins was like really in the doghouse, and I was kind of, I wasn't confused, but I was kind of curious why. And I think now we kind of know why. It seems like he's not taking the season that seriously, or even the the health situation that seriously. So, and I, especially since Ron Rivera literally like has cancer or at yeah. recently is in remission. Like I get why he's like, yo, can, can you not like you could kill me <laughs> <laughs> in addition to the losing me football games, you are endangering my person. I, I understand. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would be surprised if, if Alex Smith can even go halfway this week and if he's willing to do it, I, I think he'll be out there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so to that end, Panthers, Washington, who you got? Washington. The Panthers Panthers have nothing really to play for here. They've definitely had some good moments this year. I don't know what the Christian McCaffrey situation will be like. I wonder if at this point they're just like, even if he is healthy enough to play in a normal year, if they scratch him just because it's week 16 and there's no point in him tearing his ACL or something out there, especially against a really mean Washington defense that, you know, has a bit of a reputation for beating the crap out of you uh so i like i like washington i think we can get back to um kind of standard washington performance i'm predicting a 23 16 win i don't want to be that guy but you can't pick washington to win and not cross the eagles off i'm just saying uh is that technically I guess that's technically yeah, they true? Need, like Washington needs to lose this game for the and Philly needs no, to win I'm, for the, the week seventeen game to be a win and end situation for the Eagles. They can't make up that I'm, much ground. As soon as I'm Washington gets seven wins, they're done. I'm playing both sides of the board on this one. You are? You're gonna hedge yeah. both and just so one half of yourself is right? Yeah. <laughs> Shameful. I, I just, I just can't, I want... cross, I can't cross the Eagles off. I can't cross the Eagles off. It doesn't make sense in my head. I just, I just see. I can the leave this pod too vividly. Yeah, I, I'm just proud that I can leave this pod with my head, head held high. That I, I'm taking definite positions on everything, and I'm not going to try and hedge. Uh, well, I can't yeah, really I think... that, but I feel <laughs> fine. <laughs> I, I don't feel too uh... bad. <laughs> I think I think Washington wins this game too for a lot of the same reasons. I actually think it would have been interesting if this game happened like six weeks ago. I think Carolina may have given more of a game to Washington, but I'm with you. I think they have got less to play for. Um, Washington has more to play for. I think Washington knows, like they played the the Seahawks like they knew that they could have clinched a playoff spot if they won. You know, yeah. I don't think that goes away after a hard-fought game against the Seahawks. And if they bring a modicum of that same mentality and game plan 
to a much worse Panthers team, they should pretty easily walk away from this game with a win. I think it's going to be like 20 to 13, but it, it won't like, it won't be a close 20 to 13. It'll be like a 20 to seven game that winds up 20 to 13 at some point in the fourth. Right. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with my 23 to 16 or whatever I said as well. Same, same idea. All right. Well, let's take around the league. Let's close it out. Uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I think the Jalen Hurts situation has cast new light on how fallible coaches are. Coaches make very bad decisions all the time, and this is one of them. Looking back, they should have put Jalen Hurts in when I think you recommended it. Couldn't tell you what week it was. I think it was before the bye or right after the the Eagles bye. Um, But they just wasted time. With the Wentz situation, when Wentz hasn't looked right, they played themselves, in your opinion, out of playoff contention, and maybe in my opinion, we'll see, pending. Um, and it just it just reminds me of other personnel decisions that don't really make sense. One ongoing one is obviously the Evan Ingram focus for the Giants. Don't need to belabor that. And I was also thinking about Derrick Henry on the Tennessee Titans who under Mike Malarkey ran the ball like no more than 160 or 170 times a year, his first two years in the league. You're right. You might remember like Derrick Henry was not like Mm -hmm. a bell cow guy. And then Mike Vrabel comes in and it's like halfway through. He literally has a linebacker who plays running back. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. He like looks at Derrick Henry and he's like, okay, am I missing something here? seems pretty obvious the dude is in like the like probably one of the top 20 like freakiest athletic type people on the planet uh yeah i'm gonna hand him the ball 25 times a game and it's worked out incredibly obviously there might be some offensive line stuff there as well but i just think it's one of those times where it's like if you're mike malarkey sitting at home watching this like do you do you just realize how stupid you are like it's just one of those things where everybody knows you should be doing it. It's not like Derrick Henry looked bad his first two years in the league. And somehow it takes more time than it should to actually change. I do think if I'm going to, obviously the Eagles fan of me wants to litigate the comparison. I think that the Henry thing is probably a more stark. It is. Highlighting of that. Uh, But I mean, you're right. Like I was calling for the Wentz benching starting in week 11 against the Browns. Like I, there was like a grace week when they played the giants, whereas like, this is pretty bad, but let's see what happens next week. And it, it, by the second half of the Browns game, I was like, this is the same. <laughs> <laughs> Turn this off, it was, please make it stop. It, it was the same for two more weeks after that, until the trigger was finally pulled. So, uh, you know, clearly in hindsight, feet dragging there but who knows you know hindsight's always 2020 and their opportunity costs both ways and contracts and everything else there so there's more to weigh there but definitely a more stark thing where it's like if you have a if you have a dude who can literally play sam linebacker but it also like runs like cj2k you know like <laughs> feed feed him yeah <laughs> you know yeah it's it's that I, I think that's just the strongest microcosm of this trend of like 
coaches not acting decisively, even when it seems clear to like the casual viewer that there does need to be a shakeup. All right. My take. Stop gatekeeping announcers, guys. I love Akeem Philippe. (laughs) I knew this would be your take this week. I I'm even holding back a bit. I want to say anyone who doesn't like Akeem Talib is upholding white supremacy, but I'm not going to go that far. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling every criticism I heard about this guy has everything to do with like how he talks, what his vernacular is, how like the vibe he gives off everything like that. You strip all that away. If he talked proper with every, with the knowledge he was dropping throughout the game, white audiences would love him. It's just the fact he talks like he's hanging out at like, an apartment with his with his friends speaking non-formal English. And that's the only reason why people are off foot by him. I mean, I, I, I kind of agree. Uh, my, my thing watching the game was like too much focus on the secondary for me. Obviously, that's where he's coming from the game at. And I think he'll probably round that out the more he calls games. Um, but I do think you're right. I do think if, if people, I, I haven't seen any, I haven't like looked up any discourse about it. Um, if are, are people being very critical? All right. I got to pull this up because this is, this is, this is the point. This is what I saw, uh, that, that prompted me to double down and want to defend this guy. Uh, former Eagles vice president, Joe Banner currently does not hold any position inside football just sort of tweets out takes. Um, kind of a crank. Yeah, kind of a crank. What, what was the tweet? What was the tweet during uh, the Eagles game about Akeem Tlaib? Uh, oh, man. What what was the date in, of the in, Eagles game? In a world of terrible analysts, Tlaib is by far the worst I have ever heard. Yes. Having <laughs> absolutely nothing and missing a ton. How does he get on the air? Yes. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, that's that's bad. One of the re- like, the replies are also bad. <laughs> that's there's some bad replies here, <laughs> um, including "I have an idea." Dot dot dot. That's tough. Um, you just described Keyshawn on Key, Key J Will and Zubin as well. Yeah, yeah, I get it. This is Stop. the side. This is the side of Twitter and Reddit I saw. When I when I was like, come on, guys, let's just let let the man talk, and he's he's dropping some knowledge, like he's not saying nothing. I'm with it. Uh, Talib was at his best when like the play would just start and completely unprompted, he'd go, "Looks like they're playing three deep," <laughs> just like before <laughs> the play was about to start. And I'm like, this, right. "Yeah, this is great." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I love that. Like he's basically verbalizing a pre-snap read he would have made on the field. Like, I think that's so when cool. Romo, when Romo does it, people love it. Yeah. Like, so I, I I'm i with it. I, I thought he was really strong, and I think that people getting, especially in, like, that pretty hateful, like, banner type way, like, it, it does smack of a bit of racism, you know? <laughs> There's definitely something there, like, why doesn't this guy talk like I want my announcers to talk? Exactly. Um, so I get it. I, I, I understand where you're coming from. Stop gatekeeping it. I would love to hear more casual stuff, too. Like, I've kind of, after 20 years of hearing, you know, the same 
the same kind of delivery from guys, it, it, it does, it does feel nice to just have a different personality or a different approach in the booth. Yeah. And you know what? Like, this is the game you do it for a four o'clock non-national game with a playoff contender and a three win or four win team, you know? Yeah. That's, that's when you trot out a keep to leave. And as a, as a fan, I was there for it. I was having fun, you know, obviously I don't, you know, I, I, I want to, when I pull up Sunday night football, like I am comforted by the Collinsworth Tariko, uh, Al Michaels kind of tradition there, but I'm open. I'm open to new guys. And I, I love what to brought. Yeah, for sure. I think churning, churning guys in and kind of seeing what they have is, What's so great some, about these one o'clock and four o'clock games? He's got some juice. That's all I'm saying. He's got some juice in the booth. All right. <laughs> Albert. Albert was bringing the heat during the Washington game. That that uh, felt yeah. like a true NFC's game. That Washington Seahawks game. <laughs> <laughs> we had to get our Kenny Albert. It, it, it's, it's a paid advertisement. We get paid directly by Kenny Albert. Uh, Kenny. Estate. Kenny Pollard. Come on the pod, guys. The, uh, there's a seat waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Uh, let's let's wrap it up for this week. Uh, have a good one. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. Christmas you is on Thursday or Friday. We've got some Christmas football. And also, happy birthday, man. It was your birthday yesterday. Yes, and they rewarded me by electing Evan Ingram to the Pro Bowl. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it felt really All good. Right. <laughs> but thank you <laughs> good talk all to right. you pal all right man i'll talk to you next week hopefully with our cross-off takes vindicated <laughs> only time will tell all right bye man see you